The Hill Talks, a podcast by The Hilltop. Hello, hello. I'm Juan Ben Jr., your host, bringing you three stories you need to know. Coming from the nation's oldest black collegiate newspaper. This week, Campus Life pauses new club registration, the first net zero rec center in D.C. opens, and the White House hosts descendants of civil rights figures in honor of Black History Month. So, without further ado, let's get into it. A little over a month ago, Howard University's Office of Campus Life posted a graphic on their Instagram account that began with the words, Important announcement. In bold. The Office of Campus Life will not be registering newly created clubs slash organizations until the spring 2025 semester. Those organizations will then be activated for the 2025 to 2026 academic year. Now that voice you just heard is that of Natalie Betts. She's a campus reporter at the Hilltop and a friend of the pod. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. <laughs> so... While the announcement may have come as a surprise to some students, you found out in your reporting that pausing new club registration isn't exactly a new process. Yeah, so when I spoke with Servant, who is the executive director of Campus Life here at Howard, he immediately was like, oh, well, this isn't new. Like, it's in the student handbook. Could you actually read that section of the handbook where it says that? Yeah, so it's in the new student organization petitions and organization reactivation policy section. And it says petitions to start a new organization are accepted on a two-year cycle in the spring semester only, beginning on January 15th and ending on March 31st. The next cycle for submission will open spring 2025. Recognize student organizations. I get that it's not new, but did servants explain why the Office of Campus Life actually has this policy? Yeah, so there's a couple reasons that he gave. Um, the main one was just that it takes time for the clubs and organizations to become established or get all the signs for their petition. So he was saying just giving them time to fill out the paperwork and giving them time to do that is one of the reasons. And then another reason is that during the two-year cycle, they offer the How to Start a New Organization workshop. How are students reacting to this whole thing? I spoke to Naya Crawford. She actually founded the Howard University Alabama State Club, and she didn't know about this. So she was like caught by surprise when I shared the policy with her. And she was just really glad that she got her stuff in on time um, because we're both juniors at this point. So she probably wouldn't have been able to have a uh, Howard University Alabama State Club, say she did it this year or next year. But then other people, such as Sinabu Diop, they understood why the policy was put in place, but they also felt like there's a possibility that you might be halting someone's professional process and like catch it, getting leadership roles because they're not able to create clubs that they feel like are needed on campus at a certain time if they don't meet that time range. Valid concerns from people on all sides. Natalie, thank you so much for your reporting. I really appreciate it. Thank you. A new recreation center opened in D.C., but not just any rec center, a net zero one. Here to talk with me all about it is Natalia Wilson, news and politics reporter at the Hilltop. Hi, Natalia. Hi, Juan. So I imagine that some people might not know exactly what net zero means. So I wonder if you can just start by explaining what it is and how exactly that shows up in this new rec center. Absolutely. So simply put, net zero means cutting greenhouse gas emissions to as close to zero as possible 
um, with any remaining emissions being reabsorbed from the atmosphere. Um, so as a net zero building, it will generate enough renewable energy to offset its annual energy consumption. And that'll be through the use of a solar panel canopy, geothermal wells, and just a really high performing reusable energy system. Essentially, it will produce all the energy needed to function. Got you. Now, you lay out in your article that this isn't just some one-off initiative done by the city, but it's actually part of a larger plan by the district to reduce carbon emissions. Right. So as part of the district's goal to reduce carbon emissions, Sed Park joins the ranks of nearly seven public schools that have attained a net zero status. Um, and that includes Banneker Academic High School and John Lewis Elementary School, um, which, of course, have very historic legacies. Um, and there's also a lot of environmentally conscious developments underway because in June of 2022, D.C. Council unanimously passed legislation requiring that all new buildings and substantial renovations in D.C. will have to be net zero beginning in 2026. Um, so I definitely think this is a great leap towards reducing carbon emissions in the district overall. I had no idea that new buildings have to be net zero starting in 2026. That's actually a really, really big deal. So what are people in the community saying about this rec center? Overall, I've witnessed quite a positive reaction to the new rec center. Mayor Bowser and Councilmember Brooke Pinto, who is the council member for Ward 2, have emphasized how the rec center is really great news for the environment and builds on Stead Park's legacy of providing children in the district with a safe place to play and learn. The park was originally an initiative to combat high rates of juvenile delinquency. Um, and so I believe um, Melanie Key, a resident in Ward 2, raised an important point when she said that it is great to see money being invested in a safe place for kids while also helping to protect the environment and preserve their future. Well, looks like DC is taking the steps to do exactly that. Natalia, thank you so much. Thank you. Descendants and family members of prominent civil rights leaders and historical figures gathered for an event hosted by the White House this week honoring the legacy of their forebears. Relatives of Ida B. Wells, Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, and more were in the room, including Kenneth B. Morse Jr., and I'm the great-great-great-grandson of Frederick Douglass. I'm also the great-great-grandson of Booker T. Washington and president of Frederick Douglass Family Initiatives. We're an abolitionist and anti-racist organization based in Rochester, New York. The event was years in the making and included remarks from Stephen Benjamin, director of the White House Office of Public Engagement, Brenda Mallory, chair of the Council on Environmental Quality, Nevada Representative Stephen Horsford, Alabama Representative Terry Sewell, and Vice President Kamala Harris. Before I play a clip of Harris's speech, I just wanted to warn you that the sound bites you hear in this segment were recorded on an iPhone. You might hear a little rustling and clicks every now and then. I was also taking photos. Okay, here's a clip. The words that were inscribed in the Declaration of Independence, foundational principles, founding documents, and then fought to make those words real. That's who we honor among the descendants who are here. And... A small choir sang the Black National Anthem and other hymns, taking everyone in attendance to church.
Standing just outside the West Wing, Morris explained the importance of recognizing our history at a time when some people would rather ignore it. As I'm sure I don't have to tell you that we need to teach the truth, the true history. Um, a lot of times people want to talk about reconciliation and healing, but I don't believe that we can jump that far ahead if we haven't had a reckoning of our past. And I think that any time uh, black people have made progress in the United States, there's always been a pushback. And we can look back at history and see that uh, timeline and, and see that it's kind of all cyclical. And, and we're in the midst of a mighty struggle right now. Frederick Douglass said, without struggle, there is no progress. We have an obligation, as I said during the presentation, by birthright to continue that fight. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Hill Talks. This episode was written, edited, and produced by me, but none of it would have been possible if it wasn't for the hard work of our reporters and editors at The Hilltop. Special thanks to Natalie and Natalia for joining me today. You can check out their stories and more of our reporting by visiting thehilltoponline.com, where we publish stories on everything from news and politics to what's happening in culture every Monday. Follow us on social media at The Hilltop HU. And if you liked our theme music, it was created by Terry Thomas. With that being said, this is where I leave you. Till next time, bye soon.